Thank you for listening to this podcast brought to you by Baylife Church Port Stephen. We hope you find this message challenges and inspires you in your daily Christian walk. For more information, visit www.baylifechurch.org.au. We are continuing our series, so if we could, yes, here we are, Better Perspective. And uh, my little message today is about a better way to relate. Um, And, you know, you don't have to be alive very long to observe the world we live in. It's a crazy kind of place, isn't it? Especially at the moment. And the way we see relationships portrayed in the different forms of media we watch and hear every day can give us a very different perspective than the one I believe that Jesus has. So we at the church need to be living our lives and especially our relationships with each other in such a way that we stand out from the culture around us. And I mean that in a positive way rather than a negative way. So for all of you people that aren't married today, this is not just a marriage talk, okay? I love relationships and relationships are about people, whether you are married whether you are in a relationship with someone, you all live with someone, whether it be family, um, you work with someone, you go to school with someone, you do church with someone. So that's all relationships. So no switching off. If you hear the word marriage or relationship, you go, oh, that's not me. Well, think of your relationship and the people in your world. Okay, because today we're going to look at conflict and think for a moment about how we see conflict played out in the world around us. We've got domestic violence. We've got abuse, either verbal, physical or emotional. We've got divorce, revenge, families that don't speak to one another, avoidance by disappearing into addictions or abandonment altogether. You only have to turn on the news to hear of yet another incident of a conflict somewhere and it usually involves violence and this one punch thing is just ridiculous. Most nights you turn the news on, someone else has been hit with a one punch. And just last week, you may have heard about the Irish brothers, one living in Australia, one visiting. They had a bit of a biff and one punched the other one and he hit the ground and he really, really damaged his head and they thought he was going to die. So the dad gets called in, he's got one son in hospital and the other one is being led away to jail. Like... There has to be a better way to deal with conflict than just bash somebody when something's going wrong. But unfortunately, that's how a lot of people deal with things. So our church mission statement says this, to reach and positively influence our community and world by building a significant church that loves God, loves people and loves life. So how can we positively influence our community and friends if we're living exactly the same way as they are living? Our ways of relating need to be better, different, more healthy and whole than those outside the church. So let me pray before we start. Father God, I thank you that you show us a much better way to do life. And I just pray, God, that through my words that you would speak loud and clear to all of us, Lord God, that you would soften our hearts, show us how to do life better and to love better by following your ways and by your word. And I pray that in your precious name. Amen. So we're going to take a few moments this morning to look at a better way of relating, in particular dealing with conflict in our relationships, okay? 
Now, the book of Proverbs has a few thoughts to guide us in this area. And I looked them up and we got this word better. So, if we got them, can we have those up there? Better a dry crust with peace and quiet than a house full of feasting with strife. Better to live on a corner of the roof than share a house with a quarrelsome wife. Ouch. There's another one about um, <laughs> a wife's like a constant dripping tap. That is so annoying, isn't it? You're laying in bed and you drip, drip, drip. Sorry, girls, but we get a bit of a bad rap in Proverbs. Be quiet. Front row. Hecklers. Better is open rebuke than hidden love. Better a patient man than a warrior, one with self-control than one who takes a city. And then Jesus tells us, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God in Matthew. So the essence of true spirituality is to love well, to love Jesus and to love others. So why is it so hard? James gives us an insight, I think, in this scripture in James 4, 1 and 2. It says this, What causes fights and quarrels amongst you? Don't they come from your desires that battle within you? You desire, but you do not have, so you kill. You covet, but you cannot get what you want. So you quarrel and fight. You do not have because you do not ask God. I think this says it in a nutshell. I think we're selfish. Our ego and pride often get in the way of us loving those in our world, especially those that are closest to us. We can do our own lives and not pay attention at all or seek God as to how he would want us to live. But as Christians, we now belong to a different family. We belong to the family of Jesus, okay, all of us here. So we need to learn better ways of dealing with problems in our lives. We come into this family, the church family, with many different ways of dealing with conflict. And that's usually learnt from our family of origin. If I was to ask all of you how you saw conflict dealt with in your family, I guarantee there'd be different stories amongst you. So we're a bit of a motley bunch, okay? Families deal with things very differently and we tend to be moulded and shaped as to how we do conflict a certain way as we travel through our lives, be it good or bad. So when we meet a partner in life or a boyfriend or girlfriend, whatever it may be, we take these ways into our relationship and if we're not careful, it can cause us all kinds of grief. But Jesus is our example of a better way to deal with conflict. He brought disruption to bring peace. He didn't avoid conflict or appease people in any way. True peacemakers do not ignore tension or differences. So we've all got different ways and styles of communicating with each one of us. Some of us are extroverts like me and um, I externally process things. I don't know what I'm saying until it's out of my mouth. And it's like, ooh, but then I, my brain's catching up with my mouth. Other people are more refined and they are introverted and they are internal processes and you can look at them and their wheels are going round and round and round in their head, okay? And that would be like my husband. I grew up in a family where voices were raised. Something was wrong, we just shouted it out and then we moved on. No worries. We never really looked at what the cause was and we never really looked at the outcome. We just shouted it out and, oh, that was it. We moved on. Therefore, um, when we got married and a conflict arose, we had different ways of dealing with conflict, I found out. Something would come up, I would attack and Greg would retreat, run away. So it was fun in the early years. 
So we've had to work really hard at finding better ways to communicate. It'd be me chasing him all over the house. Come on, hi, hi. But um, what did he say? Oh, he wishes. <laughs> That's what happens when you've been married 36 years. Um, okay, so you've got to work at it to do those things. But what I want to say is conflict needn't be feared. It's a good thing. Everyone say it's a good thing. It's a good thing. But when it's dealt with well, it's a good thing and it can enrich and help grow a relationship, whether it be a marriage or between two friends, family or workmates. And remember our goal is to love better. So poke the person next to you and say our goal is to love better. Go on, poke them. Love better. Okay, remember, love better. If you remember nothing else about today, remember conflict is good and we've got to love better. Okay? But don't switch off. Conflict arises when unfairness occurs. Now, that can be real or it can be perceived. Who's getting more? Who's getting less? This is so obvious. Any of you that have got children, they go on about it all the time. It's not fair. She's got more than me. How often do you hear that? It's a very immature way to live life. But we're mature, remember? We're adults and we don't carry on like that. The starting point in relationship conflict is often disappointment with another person or with yourself. Something has gone wrong, be it a hurt, a frustration, an offence or unmet expectations. But conflict can be a gift, an opportunity to get clarity and learn about the other person to get a better perspective on things. So in our marriage course, we have a diagram. If we could have that up there. Those of you that have done the course with us would know this. Three states of mind in a relationship. Now again, it's not just marriage, any relationship this goes for. Three states, intimacy, conflict and withdrawal. Okay? And I've liken conflict a little bit to like flying in an aeroplane because you fly in an aeroplane it's nice weather it's all calm then that turbulence starts I don't know about you but I don't like that turbulence do I Greg I can go very white sweaty when it happens but um, it can make you a bit scared make you feel a bit sick Um, but the plane just keeps flying the pilot makes some adjustments hopefully and it flattens out again I think conflict can be like that it's a little bit scary, can make you a little bit sick if it's painful, but if you keep going through, you will get through. Okay, so the three levels are intimacy is when all things are good. Remember, we have to love better. So this is where we want to be most of the time, in this intimacy, where everything's good and our relationships are good. Then we hit the turbulence, the conflict comes along, and if we learn to deal with that well, we can go straight back to here, to where it's good again. Okay? No drama. Deal with it, back you go. But if you don't work conflict well, what happens is through you go and you get to this place, which is withdrawal. And this is a place of, it can be emotional withdrawal or physical withdrawal. You take yourself totally out of a relationship or just emotionally withdraw. Okay? And you can stay there for a long time if you don't do it with conflict well. So can you see why it's good to be able to work through conflict and go, you can go in and out of those states. That can happen in a marriage pretty often. In a day, if you're having a bad day, a few times a day, can be periods of time. But it's just a fluent thing that keeps moving. But what we don't want is to get stuck 
in withdrawal. Okay, that's not a good place to be. When conflict occurs, we usually don't see any other point of view except our own. It's all we're interested in. But with effort, you can learn to see more than one view. Can we have the next picture? Okay. Hands up who can see the vase. Hands up who can see the faces. There you go. Two different views, you are both right. Okay? There you go. There's no point squabbling about it, fighting about it, because there is a vase up there in white. Can you all see that? And there's two faces in black. Can you see that as well? Different perspective, that's all it is. You're seeing something from a different perspective. Neither is wrong. It, just, it takes empathy to imagine how someone else must, might be feeling in a conflict. But it transforms conflict when it's not all about you. I think that's another really important thing to remember. I think we just go into these things very stubborn. It's all about me. Well, it's not all about you, okay? Our brains are hardwired to react in conflict and they usually do three things freeze and something happens to us we kind of go like what the and we don't know what to do about it fight some of us will get our punching gloves on and we'll just get straight into it the other thing is fright flight and we just go i don't want to do it i'm out of here gone that's the way we instantly will do things okay but we can change the way we deal with conflict because the bible tells us in this key verse in romans 12 2 It says, do not conform to the pattern of the world, but be transformed by the renewing of our mind. Okay, and you can do that. You can think differently about it. And that's what I want you to do today. I want you to think differently about conflict. Okay, so we're going to have a little look at some conflict types. We're all unique individuals. So along with our different personality styles, if you haven't already noticed by now, life is full of different personalities. We've got different communication styles. We've got different ways of giving and receiving love with our love languages. And I've discovered that we have five, there's different conflict styles. So no wonder it's so hard to get along with people. We're all so different. We have so much different ways. We're going to take a quick look at five different conflict styles. And I want you to look at these and I want to see if you can recognise yourself. Now stop thinking about your husband or your wife or your partner what they're like, I want you to think about you, okay? This is you. Let's have a look at these styles quickly. First one's directing. You control the outcome. You discourage disagreement. You insist on your views. Very black and white. You're either right or wrong. Use pressure and coercion if necessary. Second one is compromising. You urge moderation and bargaining. Meet people halfway. Cooperate and compromise. Split the difference. Very democratic if each person will move halfway. The third one is accommodating. Accepting others' views. You give in. It's no big deal. It doesn't really matter. You think conflict is usually disastrous, so you'll yield and sacrifice your own interests. Ignore issues and keep the peace. Avoiding is the fourth one. You delay or avoid response altogether. Withdraw. Divert attention. Think conflict is hopeless, so I avoid it. Overlook differences, accept disagreements or just get out. And the last one is collaborating. This is where you assess your views, invite others' views, welcome differences, search for solutions and mutual agreement. Think conflict is natural and neutral. Work through it. Realise all relationships have tension. How'd you go? I'm not going to ask you to put your hand up, although I'd love to. 
I'm going to. I'm almost embarrassed to say that I was probably the directing type in the early days of our marriage. Um, But by the grace of God and a lot of help from our marriage course, I think I'm going to have to check with my husband here. I think I'm a little bit more of a collaborator. Sometimes? Sometimes? Answer is yes. (laughs) Yes. Yes. I am directing him right now, correct. What hope have I got? Now, my husband is amazing and he's always so calm and full of wisdom and patient in working through conflict. And you'll often find that in a relationship. You will be the exact opposite. So it gets interesting but it's also good because you can learn from one another. And it's really helped me immensely. Um, We can all get better at working through conflict in our marriages, relationships and here at church in the church family. Just recognising your own style and looking at ways you can improve can make a big difference. Just knowing that that's what you're like, you go, whoa, and then maybe looking at ways you can improve on that. So they're all significant and they're all good, but to transform conflict, you really need to be self-aware. You need to be able to look at yourself in the mirror as you are and take responsibility for your own actions or reactions, okay? No finger pointing at anyone else. It's all about how you deal with things. So how are we going to do this? We're going to have a look at a bit of a process that I hope you can um, get, grab a hold of. So think about something that's upset you lately. Just, it can be something little, whatever, you know, annoyed you, frustrated you, offended you, whatever it may be, and apply that to this pro- little process. So the, they say the first 90 seconds is really important, okay? first 10 seconds is really important. I just have to go, oh, and be quiet. But the first 90 seconds is really important. Don't do something you'll regret, like hurl an insult. First thing we want to do is just throw an insult. Lash out or even be physically abusive in some cases. Don't send that text message. Don't do it. Breeds anger or hatred. It is so tempting when you're angry. (coughs) Off it goes. Don't do it. And the other thing I don't want, want you to do, especially young people, don't go on Facebook and rant and rave, okay? It's what you feel like doing, but we're not people that are led by those emotions in the moment, okay? So, what you're going to do is breathe. Everybody breathe. It's easy to do. You just breathe in, breathe out. Take a moment, or a few moments, however long it takes, to just be calm and get your thoughts together. It's okay to take time out and think about something before you respond. Greg's really good at this. I'm really bad at it. He's really good at it. But taking time to think something about something is not the same as fleeing and disappearing and never talking about it. See, there's a difference. Just take, take a moment, take some time. Then you need to acknowledge some stuff. It's your own things. This is when you're lo- looking at yourself. You can pray and ask God into your situation and acknowledge how you feel. Are you angry? Are you sad? Are you frustrated? Be honest with yourself. This is how you get your own perspective on what's going on, okay? What is it that you value that may be being challenged? We had a little ongoing conflict. Like We've worked through a lot of conflict in our marriage. So I had to dig really deep to find stuff, which is good, Greg, hey? (laughs) In the early days, I could have got a list. It's like, oh, where would I start? But we had this thing in the early days, and it is from our family of origin, because my mother is always early to things. And I was, I was grown up, what do you call it? Raised, that's the word. I was raised to always be on time, actually be early. 
Okay. Greg, on the other hand, came from a family, especially his mother, that was always late. I pulled up to the wedding, right, in the wedding car, and I see his mother flying up the driveway, getting on, she's all flustered, and she's trying to get into the church before the bride does. This was in the days when brides weren't real late. See, I was on time. I was right there. So this was a bit of an issue for us. I like to be ready to go somewhere and probably a bit early. And Greg was shocking. He was always late. He used to drive me nuts. And I'd get angry and we'd all start. this just this silly little conflict, all it was. But really, now reading through all this kind of stuff, it was like, oh, really? It was all about me, really, wasn't it? Um, so guilty as charged. But what was happening, I valued time. I valued being early and respecting people's time. And I think that's what probably got me a bit annoyed, that being late, I don't feel was respecting someone that says, if I want you there at one o'clock, you know, be there. Greg would be like, ah, five past, ten past one, that's all right. Well, for me it wasn't. So there was this, you know, thing going on all the time. Sometimes we have expectations of people that we get disappointed when they don't meet them but they don't even know what they are and they've never really even agreed to them. So this is funny because like, I expected him to be on time. I expected him to be ready so we could get there and be there at five to one. He didn't know that. I'd never really said it. I just got angry when he wasn't ready. So see how easy it is, these little conflicts just to keep, you know, keep at you all the time. Um, so it's good to get clarity, to stop for a moment, look within, why am I angry, what's going on, what's my perspective on them. Then you need to reflect on the other person. Try stopping for a minute, thinking about yourself and thinking about the other person, what they might be actually thinking or feeling about their side of the conflict. You get their perspective and try showing some empathy, remembering it's not all about you. That's just a selfish way to think about things. Then we come to listening. Now, listening is a skill we all need to learn. Listening should be easy, but it's actually not. And as Christians, I was reading the other day, it said that we unfortunately, we are known to be pretty bad at listening. Now, how sad is that? I think maybe as Christians, we're known for what we talk about, but maybe we're not that good at listening. So there's a challenge for all of us to listen. Listen to yourself. Now, that's a scary thought. Oh, if I stopped for a moment and listened to what was going on in my head, I'd be pretty scared most of the time, I think. But listen to the other person actively. And actively means engaging with that person. Listening, hearing them, trying to get the, capture the essence of what they're saying. It's not interrupting, it's not contradicting them and it's not thinking of your rebuttal, which would be me. Greg would be talking, I'd be going, I'm already thinking what the next thing is I'm ready to kind of hit him with in the next um, sentence. But that's not listening, okay? And James has some great advice for us. If we look in James 1, 19. Have we got that up there? That's a great scripture. My dear brothers and sisters, take note of this, he says. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak and slow to become angry because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. Quick to listen, slow to speak slow to become angry. How often is it the other way around? We are slow to listen but we're quick to speak and we're quick to get angry. Okay, so there's a challenge. And I just liked that little cartoon. I don't know if you can read that very well. Can you see that? 
she says, so what do you think? What difference does it make anyway? You never listen anyway. I was just making conversation. When you make conversation, you have to listen too. And she goes, you do? And it's like, I think that sometimes that's what we think. It's all about us and what we've got to say, but it's really about listening to the other person. And it's hard to listen sometimes because what happens is we go into a bit of a default mode. And I read this by the psychologist John Gottman. He identifies four distinct danger signs when we're listening and he calls them this, the four horsemen of the apocalypse. So they're pretty severe. (laughs) Again, I want you to listen and I want you to try to identify any of these that might have crept into your own communication or they might have always been there. But maybe it's time to get rid of them for once and for all. The first one he talks about is defensiveness. This means going on the counterattack when there's implied criticism. Instead of saying, can you just tell me a little bit more and having a willingness to improve, the comment is, how dare you criticise me? And you just shut down. You don't hear another word that is being said. The defence goes, the walls go up. And again, guilty as charged. I think I'm getting better, but in the early days, um, we were 20 when we got married. We were just kids, really. And we weren't Christians at the time. No one showed us how to be married. No one showed us how to do relationships. We kind of just worked it out as we went along. So it's quite miraculous that we're still together after 30. How many is it? 35. 35. Amazing. The miracles do happen. Um, God intervened. That's the, that's the thing. God intervened and changed us who we are. So defensiveness. Don't get the walls up. When, you li- when you're listening to someone, try to listen to what they're saying without being defensive. The second one he talks about is stonewalling is slamming that communication door, shutting the door, refusing to even talk about it. It's like talk to the hand, you know, one of those sort of things. Problems just pile up and relationships ice over and you end up in that withdrawal state I talked about. The next one he talks about is criticism. Now, this seems obvious, but it can can be hard to acknowledge, especially if you are the critic. You probably think you're just being helpful. But the solution is in how we speak. Listen to the difference here. I feel upset when the kitchen is messy and the dishes are not done or I notice you leave the dishes in the sink for more than one day. I'm guessing this would be the wife talking to the husband. Okay? I notice you leave the dishes in the sink for more than one day. Is a statement of feeling. It's not a criticism. Rather than, oh, you're such a lazy slob. You never do the dishes. Now, how would you like to be spoken to out of those two? There's a difference, isn't there? saying the same thing but it's how we say things okay and contempt is the atomic bomb he calls this of marital destruction it involves rolling your eyes <sighs> sighs turning away these send a very toxic message and they show no respect so if that's going on in any relationship you're involved with i suggest you stop it straight away um okay so that's just listening we need to listen so don't get all those things in the way allow someone to talk to you. Once you've listened and you've heard, you can validate and discuss. You can, I get where you're coming from. So I listened to Greg about his lateness and we did have this conversation one one day. I said, I'm over this. Why are you always late? But I probably would have said it nicely, I'm sure. (laughs) Um, With no critical edge. (laughs) Um, And he talked about it and he said, I hate, I don't see any point in being early. If something starts at 1 o'clock, I think we should be there at 1 o'clock. 
And we talked about and he said, I just don't see. He said, it's uncomfortable when you get there early and you're just standing around waiting. And I listened and I thought, that's fair enough. That's actually fair enough. Why do you need to get there early? Just because my mother always taught me to get there early isn't just a good enough reason. So I validated, listened to what he said. But you don't have to always agree with what someone is saying, okay? But you can be respectful and listen. The biggest thing is, is to take on board anything that is being said. I think we need to be mature enough in our relationships to take it on board. Process it with God. The Holy Spirit can give you amazing insight into an issue or a relationship and possibly open your eyes to any blind spots that you may have. Because I think we do have blind spots. Sometimes we just can't see them and even those closest to us, we don't want to hear it from them. But if you go to God and openly ask him to show you what's going on in your issue or your conflict, he can show you stuff. He's done a lot of work in my life. Um, In the early days, I had a bit of trouble. As I said, I was a bit angry because that's the way I thought you dealt with conflict. And I tried in my own strength to do it and I couldn't. Nothing changed. Nothing ever changed what I tried to do. But when I totally gave it to God, worked with the Holy Spirit, allowed him to change my heart, I can honestly say, I am different in the way I approach things now and I give all the glory to him. He just changes hearts when you're willing and open to what he he can do in you. Um, But humility is the starting point. You've got to humble yourself and go, okay, I'm responsible for this. I need to do something about it and admit your weakness. Apologise is the next thing. Apologise. Say you're sorry. Ask forgiveness. And this is where I think we we differ as Christians. I think people that maybe don't have Christ in their life, hold on to grudges, move on, won't apologise, won't do whatever's needed to reconcile. But I think as Christians we can do that. And it says in Matthew 6.15, if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. So it's so important when we're trying to defuse or reconcile a situation, you come from a place of being humble rather than full of pride. Pride will get you nowhere, absolutely nowhere. But humility is the doorway to opening up something. And look for a win-win solution. It's not all about getting your way in an issue. Just be ready to talk things through. Get creative. If you're in a couple, talk it through until you can come up with a great solution. So what we did with our me being early, him being late thing, he just said, okay, when we're going somewhere, I need you to tell me what time you want me to be ready. And um, I would tell him what time I need him to be ready. But I had to back off and not be going, are you ready yet? Are you ready yet? Are you ready yet? What time are you going to get dressed? I have to just totally leave him to it. And he's been very, very good. And we've just worked out a time. If we're going somewhere, we're leaving at five to one. And he's 99% of the time on cue, aren't you? So well done. So that's just a tiny little thing. Oh, no, don't clap him. No. No, that's not, that doesn't worth the clap. <laughs> but I'm just saying it was only a little thing. But do you know what? All those little things can chip away. If you've got lots of little things going on in your relationship, they just wear you down a bit, I think. So it's really good to just deal with them. And love and respect, whoa, love and respect um, are two very important aspects of all relationships. And if we have that diagram up, this is just an addition to um, this one. When you put God into the picture and the Ephesians 5.33 scripture, when you get into conflict 
And the scripture here says the husband must love his wife and the wife must respect. So when we put love and respect into this whole equation, you can go in and out of conflict quite easily if you choose to love. If the husband chooses to respond with unconditional love to his wife, often the conflict is diffused and we're back to intimacy again. If the wife chooses to respond with respect, unqualified respect, sometimes not even, oh, he doesn't deserve it. Well, if you choose to respect him anyway, you can diffuse it and go back that way. But if you do the opposite and refuse to, that's when you can go into that withdrawal stage. Okay, I better move really fast. Okay, sometimes an issue isn't easy to work through and I would be very naive to think that everything's just as easy as that. But I think just about any situation can be resolved if both people want to really work through it. And um, if you seek help from somebody, a mentor, a counsellor, pastor, pray it through. I guarantee you can work through conflict. Um, And they can be really emotional and emotions can get in the way and they can be painful. But do you know what? We've got to learn to put that aside for the sake of a relationship and keep working through it. So it brings me to church life. Much damage has occurred in churches when conflict hasn't been dealt with well. And all these points we've been talking about, all these graphs and all the rest of it, the conflict styles, they're all really applicable to the wider church family. In a group of people this size, it's not going to take long until there's a clash of personalities, of views, offences taken or disappointments due to those unmet expectations. So I would love a church where we deal with conflict in a better way than our culture does around us. So if you get into a problem or you have a conflict, can you please have the attitude to deal with it quickly and respectfully? And if it's not possible to do on your own, we have a term in our leadership um, team that we speak of bleeding up. And that means, doesn't mean cut yourself and bleed, it means if you've got a problem or something's come up, Talk to somebody that's above you in authority. Now, that could be a team leader. It could be a life group leader, a pastor, a mentor. They'll listen to you. They'll listen to you respectfully, help you process your emotions, pray with you and help you move forward with a plan. But what happens is if you start talking to everybody else around you, they can get affected. They can get influenced because they're only hearing one perspective. Okay? And now you can settle things and move things on, But what can happen is the person you've been talking to, they're still stuck in that whole conflict stage. So it gets really messy. And the other dangerous way to deal with it is to pull away. If something happens, you just go, I'm out of here, totally withdraw, don't talk to anyone about it. Because what happens is it'll arise again, the issue will arise, and it just gets fueled by um, distrust or offence. So last year I saw this played out in in our life group. It's played out well. A conflict arose and both parties came to speak to me separately about the issue at hand and I was able to respectfully listen to each person's viewpoint, bring them together to hear the other's viewpoint and perspective and they were amazing in their humility and willingness to learn. They forgave and moved forward. The outcome could have been very different. I think sometimes, especially if you get a bunch of women and there's conflict, they'll just won't deal with things, it'll be all sorts of stuff goes on and no one talks to each other, I'm out of here. But um, these, these women were amazing and I was so proud of them in their maturity and their humility in what they showed in working forward. It was so great. So 
let's make sure we do that well, guys, okay? Um, better relationships don't happen. They take time and effort. There's no such thing as happy or unhappy couples intrinsically. But if you do the right things, you will be happier more of the time. Happy couples still have negatives or problems. They just don't let them set the tone of the relationship. And I've got a joke, ready? Gee, it was hard to pick a good joke. found some really funny ones, but I wasn't sure if they're appropriate or not. So I stuck with this one. A husband and wife are getting ready for bed. The wife is standing in front of a full-length mirror, taking a hard look at herself. You know, dear, she says, I look in the mirror and I see an old woman. My face is all wrinkled. My hair is grey. My shoulders are hunched over. I've got fat legs and my arms are all flabby. She turns to her husband and says, tell me something positive to make me feel better about myself. He studies hard for a moment, thinking about it. He says in a soft, thoughtful voice, well, there's nothing wrong with your eyesight. (laughs) Boom, boom. Shocking answer. Don't even think about it. Now, a better answer would have been, oh, sweetheart, I love your body anyway. Come here and give me a big kiss. Wouldn't that have been a much better answer? Blokes, learn from that. Wrong answer with a woman. I know it's hard to please us girls, but um, okay, I'm going to finish up. I just want to mention one more thing about relationships. They need time. Relationships work when they have time sewn into them. It's a crazy busy life we lead and it's often our closest relationships that suffer when we've got big commitments with work, family, young children, all that stuff. Happy couples make the effort to stay connected whatever the cost. And sometimes tough decisions have to be made to cut things out and prioritise your marriage. Unhappy couples grow apart because they're not feeding and growing their relationship. In fact, they're starving it by neglect. And Greg and I have only witnessed this just recently with an unchurched couple that was referred to us with a young family. They were in real trouble. But after listening to them, and among other things, they realised how little time and effort they were actually putting into their marriage compared to their work and their other interests. So we're working with them on a better way to do life and marriage using these strategies, and we're already seeing a huge turnaround. So for you this year, to better relate, can I ask you to take time and assess where your closest relationships are at? Do you need to make space this year to spend more time with your spouse, with your children? Put things in place now at the start of the year. Don't go another year like passing ships in the night. You'll regret it. I know you will. What about key friendships? Who are you going to spend time with? Who do you want in your world this year? And who do you need maybe to spend less time with? We're running a marriage course in a couple of weeks and it's almost full, but we've got a couple of spots left. If anyone's interested in doing our Fall in Love, Stay in Love course, I guarantee you, you will improve your um, relationship. You don't have to be in trouble to do it, just fine-tune it. So if we are going to be salt and light in our community and reach our goal to love better, we've got to see conflict from a different perspective as a good thing rather than a negative. Be more tolerant and understanding of others' viewpoints. So if you're currently stuck in a conflict, can I urge you to have a go at resolving it this year? And remember, when conflict arises, it's not all about you. The Bible tells us in Ephesians 4.26, never let the sun go down while you're angry. 
Don't let things fester and don't avoid them. Let's be mature in our approach to conflict. Remember to breathe, acknowledge your viewpoint, your contribution to it, reflect on the other person, listen well, validate, seek God how he can change your heart. Be humble, apologise if needed and always look for the win-win. And let's see our relationships in this church thriving and positively influencing those world around us in our community. So that's it. (laughs) Let's pray. Oh, Father God, we know your heart is for us to love better. So help us. Help us be the very, very best we can be in our marriages, our friendships, our relationships with family and friends so that we can show others a better way to live. Help us deal with that conflict when it comes. Help us deal with it well and um, that we can have thriving, happy relationships that bring glory to you and bring blessing to our families. Lord, in your precious name I pray. Amen. Just before I... Thanks for listening to the message today brought to you by Baylife Church. We hope the message leaves you feeling challenged and inspired to live out your Christian walk. Please tune in again for next week's message.